0: Welcome to the Troubadour Podcast. My name is Kirk Barbera, and today we are going to cover the poem Spring by William Shakespeare. Now, this is a poem in Love's Labor Lost, a play by William Shakespeare, but we're going to treat it as its own independent entity, regardless or separated from the play. I have a really integrated thought about why this is such an important um, poem although the poem itself is great and wonderful and, and playful as a poem although it's maybe not the most profound poem you'll ever experience what it does really well in what Shakespeare does and why so many people who like poetry and have studied poetry keep going back to Shakespeare is that he does so well and so consistently. What it is that poetry does—that poetry is unique from every other form of communication. It's unique from uh, music. It's unique from paintings. It's, it's its own unique world. And one of the things you have to understand about poetry is that it. The, there are several different forms of what or things that. Language does like aspects of language or or I guess forms of language. One of them would be something like information. We use words, speech, writing to convey information. We also use it to persuade. Now, information, by the way, is the dominant way that we use um, words and language and speech and writing. But the third way is there's persuasion, there's information. The third way, the third Form of language would be experience. We can use words to convey experience. Notice this is different than what music really does. Music can um, convey a an experience, but that is often with the words that they use. If you just listen to a symphony, it will often just exp- uh, ex the experience you feel is a purely emotional one. If you listen to a speech by a political person or by a professor, you're going to get information conveyed in a certain way, and you're going to get a purely informational, intellectual form of language, and that's what you're going to be receiving. It's really going to hit, you know, uh, a good speech might hit a little bit of intellectual and a lot of emotions. It might hit a lot of intellectual if it's the professor and maybe a little bit of emotions, but that's about it. With a poem, it's going to reach the whole W-H-O-L-E person. It's going to reach the intelligence, the senses, the emotions, and the imagination. So there's a dimensionness to it. There's a wholeness. There's a depth. There's multiple, multi-dimensions to what a good poem is reaching. It's going to reach all of you. It's going to make your heart beat a little faster. It's going to make you see things, visuals, lots of imagery. And one of the ways that poets do this is by utilizing all the resources or multiple resources of language, such as connotation, imagery, metaphor, symbol, paradox, irony, illusion, sound repetition, rhythm, pattern, and so on and so forth. And this is part of what I've, you know part of what I explore in many of my previous videos. Now, so that that is a, a kind of a preface to what I think is important about poetry and you know why it's so unique and it's a loss that we're not taught poetry properly because it's and it's a very big challenge to teach poetry uh, properly by the way i'm not saying that it's anybody's fault or anything it is a difficult thing so what we're going to do today is we're going to explore a poem now before we the, the poem is spring and I'm actually going to show you a whole bunch of images, and this is something I usually do not do, but I really want you to get the imagery and and how um, the words are used are going to be used to convey to hit us sensually, to hit us emotionally, to hit us intellectually, and um, you know see what else we can come up with in thinking about it, and also the understanding of it. So there's a lot of imagery in this poem. You're going to hear about, and it's a short poem, two stanzas. It's not a long poem. You're going to hear about turtle doves. They're actually called in the poem. They're abbreviated as turtles. You're going to hear when turtles tread. So think of turtle doves mating, tread mating. And we're going to go over this again, so don't worry. But I want you to see this this, for this. I don't usually do this, but this time I want you to see this first. Daisies pied and violets hued, hued, daisies pied and violets hued. This isn't really daisies pied as much. This image, if you're looking on YouTube, by the way, if you are um listening on the the uh, Spotify or iTunes wherever you listen to podcasts, that's fine. Um, you can always Google these words as I'm going through them. So I'm just kind of going through some of the words that you're going to hear, and that will I hope help kind of get the images in your head a little bit, and then we can go back through it again once we read it all the way through at least once. We're going to hear about rooks, which is a type of crow, a black crow. We're going to hear about cuckoo buds, which is a flower, a yellow flower. We're going to hear about lady smocks, again, another type of silver-white flower. We're going to hear about jackdaws, a bird that loves humans. And then we're going to hear about the cuckoo, the cuckoo. So I just, like I said, I wanted you to get a, a quick, I'll probably try and pop those up again, or we'll definitely mention them again. Cause this is a poem made up primarily of those images, those words that I just discussed or explained. Okay. So if you are um, watching, then I have just popped up on screen The Song, Spring, by William Shakespeare. Now let me read it, and then we'll go through it line by line. When daisies pied and violets blue, and ladies smocks all silver white, and cuckoo buds of yellow hue do paint the meadows with delight, the cuckoo then on every tree mocks married men, for thus sings he, cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo! A word of fear, unpleasing to a married ear when shepherds pipe on oaten straws and merry larks are ploughmen's clocks, when turtles treads and rooks and daws, and maidens bleach their summer smocks, the cuckoo then on every tree mocks married men, for thus sings he. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. A word of fear. Unpleasing to a married ear. And that's it. Now, it probably didn't make any sense to you if you were like me. And that's fine. That's absolutely acceptable. There's nothing wrong with it not making any sense to you. In fact, that is normal. May hopefully the way you know I, I know I made one or two mistakes in the reading of it. But hopefully, there was a kind of feeling of the words a little bit. Now, what happens as you read poetry over and over again, it, the same poem, I should say, over and over again out loud? Well, lost the uh, poem on the screen for a second for some reason. But whenever you, when you lose, when you read a poem over and over again out loud to yourself, the totality of it really starts making more and more sense and it starts becoming a part of you, the total of it. Remember, cause it's not just hitting you intellectually. It's also hitting you in your, your senses, emotions, imagination. And so this is going to use a lot of those. You're going to have to use your imagination. You're, and by imagination, you know, I mean, image machine, right? The image creator in your mind, image a nation, right? That's what image imagination means. And so you have to imagine these things. You have to look at them in your mind. And even though I'm reading this at the end of summer and fall is going to be here, so we've already passed spring. This is a, you know, in the deepest of winters, you can remind yourself of spring with all of these lovely images when daisies pied, you know, picture daisies, multicolored daisies and violets blue and ladies smocks. It's another flower, all silver, white and cuckoo buds of yellow hue, so cuckoo buds. So we're getting daisies, violets, lady smocks, kaku buds. We have one, two, three, four different types of springtime flowers. When these daisy daisies pied and violets blue and lady smocks all silver white and cuckoo buds of yellow hue, when they do paint the meadows with delight. So now we have these images and then we have a time- Reference that when this occurs, which is in spring, when they do this action, they paint the meadows. It's like God, you know, is a painter and he's painting the meadows. But it's it brings an emotion with delight when the, it paints uh, with light. So you're looking at this image and it's painting it with delight. When that happens, then the cuckoo then on every tree mocks married men for thus sings he kaku 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 a word of fear unpleasing to a married ear Now i kind of added a little oomph to that i hope uh just to kind of give you a sense of what that might mean now the kaku part i'm going to hold off for on for one second if you know the root and the meaning of that word or where it's coming from then no good for you but um there's a reason why shakespeare's using the word cuckoo which is the sound that a a cuckoo bird would kind of makes that's where we get the name cuckoo for the bird Uh, it makes that sound and it also sounds like a particular type of word or i think the word actually might come from this but we'll talk about that word that's really important here because that's going to hit the intellectual once you start realizing what that word is. When and the emotional <laughs> and the and the imaginative. I think it'll hit that once you realize that it will have that sense. You know, if I can go back to what I was saying in the preface, one of the feelings, or, or to me, the experience of experience the the experience of experiencing a poem, is the best way I can put it in the moment, <laughs> is akin to when I hear religious folk talk about uh, epiphanies from God and you could lower it to just epiphany when you have an epiphany, if you're like walking out in the middle of nature, for instance, in this case, and you have some epiphany about life, where did that, where did that epiphany come from? It was like things all of a sudden connected. It's like, Oh, that's why she acted that way. Right. Or that's why that person I was, um, friends with is no longer friends with me. I, you know, there's you just have an epiphany, or this is what's going on at work that doesn't make any sense, or why I'm not getting these promotions, or why this is occurring, or why I, cli- I lost a client. Right? There's a whole, you know, you're kind of just walking around, or you're doing you're doing dishes, you're doing something else, and you have that epiphany. And you know, there if to me when when I experience especially certain kinds of epiphanies where they affect my total life, when they have to do with like relationships or purpose or. You know things of that nature, are new ideological understandings, and you're out looking at nature. There is a kind of total sense, and you can see paintings by um, great artists who are who draw or paint that moment, that moment of epiphany. And it's a whole body experience. It's not just, you know, hmm, that's not like a serious epiphany. That's like a new understanding. An epiphany is like a whole like, oh my gosh. Right, it's like it's like your whole you're, you you want to run out of the st- in the streets naked, um, yelling "Eureka" type epiphany. Like it's a big moment, it's a big realization, but it connects with all senses of you with the, the like I said, your senses, your emotions, your intelligence, your in- or intellect, as well as your imagination, maybe your memory, which can be similar to imagination sometimes. So I just wanted to kind of mention that when we talk about cuckold in a minute. Oh, I gave you the word. So the word is cuckold. If you know what that means, then great. If not, when the realization comes, it'll hopefully be a little bit more like an epiphany. And these images and what's going on in this poem will have a different kick to it, do you? Um, okay, so so when when shepherds pipe on oaten straws, so imagine a shepherd, right, somebody who, who has sheep and, and tends to sheep. Moving them around, a shepherd. He has pipe and he's playing his pipe. Maybe for a maiden. We're gonna see maidens here in a second on oaten straws. So they're sitting on straws. So you know we're getting this idyllic farm life imagery here. And merry larks. So merry, happy larks. So we're getting some more emotional language here, right? So lark is a bird that I showed you earlier or you heard earlier. And merry larks are plowman's clocks. So a man who plows. He, and when he uses the lark, the happy songbird to be his clock because they wake up early. So this is connecting people with nature. Now, now nature and people are similar, just like time is part of nature and part of our sinking with time. For instance, now the plowman or men individuals, humanity is sinking with nature. That's kind of what we're getting here that we didn't get in the first stanza and the first stanza we just got images and then you know they that are painted with delight as such so when shepherds pipe on oaten straws and merry larks are plowmen's clocks when turtles tread so turtle dove's mate and rooks and daw's and maidens bleach their summer smocks now i think when it says and rooks and daw's i think it's a continuation of the tread the mating when turtles tread and rooks and daw's so now we have these animals, the animal kingdom, mating. This is the mating season, spring. And we just saw that humans are similar, right? And then we see maidens. Now, what's a maiden? Now, a maiden is an uh, unmarried female. So we're talking about mating with, you know, the, just like the tra- the turtles, the rooks, and the daws. And maidens bleach their summer smocks. Now, I don't know the practice during this is, you know, again, in the 1500s with Shakespeare. Maybe there was some bleach to clean their summer smocks, um, you know, to get or get ready for their summer smocks. So they bleach them and they wear them in spring and summer. I imagine when things get a little hotter Um, and they, you know, haven't been wearing them. So they bleach them. I don't know what the process is, but that's essentially what I'm getting from it. So when that happens, when these things happen, the cuckoo then on every tree mocks married men for thus sings he cuckoo 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 a word of fear unpleasing to a married ear so what let's put it all together now what are we seeing so we see this image of delight now you know we can ask like who is it that is seeing this and i think it you know you could see it like who's the narrator of this you know, I think you could see the narrator as like all of nature. That's one way that I look at it when, and it's just kind of like a statement of fact, like gravity, like E equals MC squared. It's just, this is the law of nature. When daisies pied and violets hued and, um, you know, mating season happens because it's part of the natural world. That's kind of what I'm hearing. So when, when daisies pied and, and violets hued, and we have this paint the meadows with the light, when that happens, the cuckoo then on every tree mocks married men for thus sings he kaku, kaku, cuckoo a word of fear, unpleasing, unpleasing to a married ear. Now cuckoo is unpleasing to a married ear because it reminds you of the word cuckold. Now cuck- cuckold is when a married man is unbeknownst to him Having another um, male sleep with, have sex with, just to be clear, have sex with his wife, unbeknownst to the married man. That's the word cuckold. So when that happens, and this I think happens because you know, or the word came about because um, birds would do this sometimes. Is a male bird might leave the nest, and then a another male bird will come in and um, you know have sex or mate with the a uh, female bird, and that's where the kind of idea comes from. So, what does this first stanza kind of bring to mind? So, we have this beautiful imagery and all this wonder and delight. It it's the meadows are painted with delight, and yet there's a little teasing bird that for the married men who are standing in this scene and they're enjoying this. There's like a little uh-oh. They're putting their eyes to the side, or maybe being reminded. Oh man, I better go check on my wife. Right. It's it's kind of like this un this is the time of cuckolding. This is the time of cheating, in a sense, or or um, you know, extramarital activities without the husband's consent. So that's you know, that's what the author, the poet in this sense, I think is saying. And he's putting it in the context of it's as rhythmic and natural as violets, blue, daisies, pied, lady smocks, and all these other natural things. So the cuckolding of a male human by his wife with another man, his wife having sex with another man, in other words, is as natural as the sun rising or spring coming. So in other words, it's inevitable, right? It's part of nature that this happens. So when you think about it, does this poet or at least this poem reflect a positive view of marital, you know, um, uprightness and and stick vows, marital vows. Does it hold that a view of women as you know, and, and of men who do that action behind the married man's back. Does it hold a very positive view or a negative view, or is it just making fun of it? What do you think Now, uh, just to kind of wrap up in the second stanza, when shepherds pipe on Oten straws and merry lar- Lark's are plowman's clocks. Again, there's that reality kind of coming together when, uh, with, or excuse me, nature with, uh, metaphysical now reality in a sense where these Larks are the clocks, which, you know, you think about time as just a metaphysical reality. It's a part of the universe. It's the totality of the move, you know, the measurement of, the movement of um, you know giant objects or something like that, when turtles tread and rooks and daws and maidens. Now we have again the humans bleached their summer smocks. The kaku then on every tree mocks married men. For thus and why does it mock him? For this reason sings he kaku kaku kaku, a word of fear, unpleasing to a married ear. So. I think it's a simple poem, but it does a lot in terms... And, and also, not only is it simple, but the last one, two, three, four... Last five lines are the same. So really, uh, for each stanza. So really, you have one, two, three, four unique lines in the first stanza. And then you have that refrain, the kaku then on every tree, mocks, And then you have one, two, three, four in the second stanza. And then again, a repetition of it. So it's a very simple poem, but there's so much involved in it, right? You you have just these natural things, and then you, you know, in terms of flowers in the first danza, and then you start having the human world incorporated into that all with this refrain, with this repetition of the cuckoo reminding married men that this is the time although it's beautiful and you see a maiden bleaching her summer smock, this is the time when men get married men get cheated on. And it's as inevitable as the sun rising, which kind of, in a way, taints the feeling of spring, but it's a part of the reality of spring in the mind of the poet. So that's our poem for today, Spring by William Shakespeare. I hope you enjoyed that. Please subscribe and enjoy future episodes.